You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you haven't tried out Bill for the Stage, go to BillForTheStage.com and we'll be on our way with seven days of a free trial where you will work with me one-on-one using an online fitness app. We'll use a previous Broadway client's program. We'll talk about your nutrition. We'll do all the things. So if you want to marry your pursuit of a career in theater with the pursuit of bettering your fitness, I am the person for you. Been at this for a long time, longer than I'd care to admit. So BillForTheStage.com, special thanks to BPN Broadway Podcast Network. Check them out at bpn.fm. All right, let's get on to our special guest. Special guest as always. They're currently a swing in the Broadway production of Moulin Rouge. I got connected with them via the gram. I mean, where else do you meet people nowadays but Instagram? So excited to get to know this guest even more. I'm excited for you to get to know our guest even more, please welcome to the podcast, Kara Menendez. The crowd goes wild, standing ovation. The curtain is held. Stage manager is saying, just give it a couple more seconds. Hold, hold. Okay, welcome. Hi. Hello. How was that for an intro? Was that all right? Oh my God, that was the best intro I could have ever asked for. My God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where are you calling in from? I'm in New York City. Okay, New York City. What part? What part of New York? I am up in the Heights, Washington. In the Heights. Okay, cool. All right. Mm -hmm. How how long have you been up there? Is that your home turf for a long time now or or what? Yeah, I've been up here for like two and a half years. Um, I love it. It's, It's home. Cool, cool. Where are you originally from? I am from Jersey, so basically across the bridge um, in this county called Monmouth County, which is where the northern part of uh, where the Jersey Shore starts. So I am definitely a beach girl at heart, um, even though I live in this city. But yeah, I am. I'm really fortunate to have, you know, grown up in the tri-state area and, you know, I've been coming to the city my whole life. I went to college here, you know, the whole nine yards. So it's always kind of felt like home to me. Yeah, Marymount, right? Yes, Marymount. And you uh, had a, a a large part of your life was dance growing up, I'm assuming, yeah? Correct. So I I grew up mainly doing dance. I started uh, when I was three, you know, at like a local dance studio. And then um, I kind of progressed my training as the years went on. I joined a competition dance team when I was six. And then when I was around like, nine, 10 years old, I also started doubly training at this conservatory, which did like ballet and like nutcrackers and that kind of stuff. So I was very fortunate to have gotten, uh, you know, 
all the different genres of training growing up. And I did um, my high school dance program, which was a fabulous program. I was really fortunate to have been uh, able to do that. Um, And then, yeah, I went on to college to dance as well. And I did a little bit of theater here and there throughout that course of time. I did two plays growing up. Um, when I was, I want to say like in seventh and eighth grade, I did uh-huh. two musicals. Okay. Okay. Loved it. it was, it was so much fun. I did Annie one year <laughs> and then I did Thoroughly Modern Millie the following year. And I actually got to choreograph, uh, I, I was in the show, but I also got to choreograph for Thoroughly Modern Millie, which was really fun. Um, and I was like 13 at the time. So <laughs> Like, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing, but we had so much fun. And I was glad that they, you know, I was honored that they gave me the opportunity to do that at such a young age. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, it was was probably either you choreographed it or your choir teacher did that didn't know how to dance. So Exactly, exactly. Um, (laughs) They really put, uh, they trusted me and I was really grateful for that. Um, But yeah, so I did those two shows and then I, you know, I always had the theater bug though. I mean... Grease, the movie Grease was the reason why I started dancing in the first place. My parents would always put it on and I was literally that kid that would just stand up on my coffee table and like be like, tell me about it, stud. And, you know, just pop <laughs> off. Um, my parents were like, oh boy, we got to put her in dance lessons. It's it's time. Yeah. So, you know, Grease has like been always, you know, one of those, nah, what am I trying to say? Grace is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, yeah, but theater kind of came into my life like professionally uh, post-college. It was kind of never, it was never like the goal, I guess you could say. Um, I always like had an appreciation for it and like grew up obviously like going to see Broadway shows and whatnot as a kid and in high school and in college. But I never was like, oh, I want to be on Broadway. Like it was never, I think Marymount's program is more conservatory concert based in like their training and what they prepare you for post-college. Um, I mean, I did have to take jazz and tap and those kinds of, uh, genres, but it was definitely more focused around ballet and modern. So I was more on the path to like joining a concert dance company. Um, or doing something along those lines. And then, yeah, theater just kind of fell into my lap post-grad. And then... How did it fall into your lap? What was the production or what was the opportunity that that fell into your lap? So post-grad, my first year out of college was actually a rough one for me. I got surgery and I was kind of, you know, taking a break and then kind of on the mend. And I didn't really know what direction I was going in. I kind of felt a little confused and lost. And I was like, you know, I kind of wanted to just keep my mind open to everything at that point. Um, and I knew that I had always had like a love for jazz and theater. And like, I remember my teachers at Marymount telling me like, Oh, you know, you could like, do you sing? And I was like, I mean, I've never like trained my voice professionally, but like, I do like to sing. And I've been told that I have a good voice. And they were like, well, if you have a good voice, like you should definitely like, you could do theater in a heartbeat. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, so they kind of like started to like put that idea into my head in college, but like, I wasn't like gung ho on it. Um, and so like a year, I would say a year after I graduated, um, one of my old dance teachers 
who moved down to Richmond, Virginia with her husband, who was the director at Virginia Repertory Theater. Um, Her name's Lisa. She called me up. It was like one day in May. She was like, hi, this is super last minute. Um, But, you know, this girl dropped out of um, Virginia Rep's production of West Side Story. Would you be interested in doing it? And I was like, and I was like, uh, yeah, West Side Story, like, love that show, like, definitely would be down for it. And she was like, okay, it's like, really last minute, like, it's starting in like, five days. And so I like, sent over my stuff, I remember to Nathaniel, the the, the director of the show, who is also the artistic director of the theater company. And, um, you know, I wasn't like getting my hopes up or anything. But like, I sent over my stuff. And and I was like, all right, we'll see what happens. And I ended up like the next day he called me and he was like, okay, pack your bags. Like you're coming down to Richmond. And I literally had to pack up my stuff in like five days, I want to say, and then take the train down there and just start the whole process. And it was so crazy. Um, but yeah, so I ended up playing uh, Consuela in that production. And it was, it was life-changing. I mean, it was just, it was a small regional gig, but I had the time of my life and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into at the time. But after I did that production, it was like the whole summer we did it. After I did that production, I was like, I think this is the route that I need to go. I think this fell on my lap for a reason. And I'm taking this as a sign from the universe, from God, and I'm going to ride it. And that's exactly what I did. You ended up doing West Side Story in Tokyo as well, right? Or some type of tour? I did. I did. So that was, so I did West Side in uh, 2018 at Virginia Rep. And then in 2019, I did it on a way larger scale in Tokyo, Japan, which was in like a stage around setup. And it was honestly the most incredible experience of my life. It was three months that we got to live in Japan and perform eight times a week. And just the production scale and the production value of what we got to do. Like, I don't think, I mean, I I hate to say it, but like, it was honestly better than Broadway. Um, (laughs) And I don't think I will ever do a production on that grand of a scale ever again, because the, the way it was set up is that the audience was in the center, like in a circle. And they basically, it was like a Disney ride. They like rotated around and basically our setup was 10 different stages in a circle, basically 10, like, like 10 massive stages. So we had a set for like dance at the gym. We had a set for, you know, Anita and Maria's house or apartment or whatever you want to call it. We had a set for like, where, um, you know, the fight scenes were happening. Like there were, there were just all these different sets, like a set for dance at the gym, except for like the big ballet scene. It was, it was insane. I mean, the, and also like docks, there was a whole dock set up for like where they do cool and whatnot. And then we had a whole like rooftop for like where the shark girls do America. So sorry to interrupt. So instead of set changes, they essentially just rotated the audience to face a different scene, like a different stage. Yeah. So it was just this grand setup and like the detail that went into this set was just absolutely insane. I mean, if I, I honestly think that it was comparable to like a movie set, but for live theater, like that's how detailed it was. Um, and 
yeah, getting to live in Japan for three months was insane. And, you know, the cast was incredible. We had such a great time. Some of what, those people. What was insane about Japan? You said, you keep saying it was insane. Tell me some like memories or like what was what? Just like living in Japan. <laughs> it, it was, it, and you want to experience culture shock, go, go to Japan. I mean, mm-hmm. like it, you, you go on the sub, not the subway. They call it, I forget what they call it there. It's their, their version of the subway. You go on it and you, you just immediately feel so out of place. And, um, you know, their language barrier, it's hard. I mean, they are such a closed society, so they don't speak English that well. So maneuvering around the city, like whenever we would go out to eat or something, it was like such a struggle. And we would just be constantly like doing you know, what is it? The Google translate on our phone, like yeah. on the menu, like trying to figure out more like we try to like order something and be like, well, we don't really know what we just ordered, but like, hopefully it's good. Um, so it was just like, it was right. you know, silly things like that. Um, but I mean, okay. all right, cool. Yeah. That's, and- that's sound the, the production sounds incredible. Sounds like an experience for sure. And for you, for you to say that it it's better than a Broadway show, especially the one you're in, where I tell people when I saw Moulin Rouge that I would pay the ticket price to just like go in there and have drinks as if it was like a bar or something like the way that, I mean, hello, that's what the vibe should be, but (laughs) so kudos to them, but it's so magnificent. So beautiful in there. Uh, What's that like performing every night with such spectacle around you? Oh, it's everything. I mean, the whole aesthetic of the scene, uh, the set design is, I feel like it really makes the show for sure. Um, And just, I feel like when you walk into the theater, you're just kind of teleported into this this whole underground world where you're like, what is this? Where am I? And like, you know, I, when I'm in the pre-show, I just see like everyone who walks in, they like immediately take out their phones because you're just like, what is this? Like, I need to capture this. Um, and it's, it's very magical. I mean, especially in, you know, doing the opening, that beast of an opening number. Um, it's, it, it's so fun though. I mean, I, I love our set. I think it's so beautiful. I think it's definitely one of the, um, the stronger sets that is currently on Broadway right now. Um, yeah. talk to us about the pre-show because first off, do you have like a half hour before your half hour for everyone that's listening? Yeah. Just tell us, I've seen the show, but maybe others haven't, you're already out there before the show starts. So just Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we have a pre-show that starts around uh, 10 minutes before the actual showtime. So our half, if you are in pre-show, your half hour is 30 minutes before pre-show starts. So if the show is at seven o'clock, that means pre-show starts at 6.50. That means that our half hour would be at 6.20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's a quick 10 minute. I think it used to be longer pre-pandemic. I think the pre-show used to be like 30 minutes mm. and then they cut it to 10 minutes. Um, yeah, yeah 30, 
30 minutes is a long time to be wandering about the stage, just staring out into the audience. I, yeah. I do remember it. I don't know if, if, if I felt like it was 30, but it definitely was longer than 10 minutes because I had a few clients up there. So I was just like, all right, let's see how in character they're going to be for all this time while they're wandering about the stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What kind of shenanigans? What kind of shenanigans do you do up there? Come on. You know, you have to keep yourself entertained doing these pre-shows every night. Oh my God. I mean, I feel like I, I like to stare people down and make them feel really uncomfortable. I think that's my favorite thing about the pre-show, honestly. Um, but then when I see people in the audience that I know, I tend to like break out of, of character more easily. Um, so I try to like not make eye contact with if I see people that I know, I try to like steer clear of them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can't I can't look at my friends during the pre-show like on stage. Like I just I feel like I burst out laughing. Um, it's just, you know. So this is your Broadway debut. You made uh, the debut after the pandemic, correct? Were you auditioning via like video during the pandemic? What was your audition process like to to book this? So I actually auditioned for Moulin Rouge. I think actually, no. Let me let me rewind a little bit more. I did. Um, do you know the Growing Studio? I don't. Um. They're like a, they do a bunch of workshops and I did uh, an agent showcase workshop for the growing studio and they bring in like different choreographers um, to work with during the workshop. And they brought in uh, one of the associates from Moulin Rouge when I did the workshop. So I got to learn the choreo and I remember um, it was Mia at the time who is currently our dance captain and another swing in the show with us. Um, Mia was the associate at the time and Mia came in and taught us the choreography. Um, and I felt like I made a really good impression at the workshop. And I remember maybe like a month later, I tried to go in cause I was still non-union at the time. I tried to go in, they were doing an audition. It was like maybe January of 2020. Um, I went in and I ended up not getting seen because, you know, they do like the type outs that back then they were doing the type outs and, you know, all that crazy chaos that, which I never want to relive ever again. Um, but I ended up not getting seen. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I feel like I'm really perfect for the show. And like, I feel like that was stupid. And I just feel like I need to figure out a way to get into the room. And I didn't have an agent at the time. So I Instagram DM'd Mia and I was like, I was like, Hey, I was like, I, I don't know if you remember me from like a month ago at the growing studio workshop, but, um, I tried to get seen at the Moulin Rouge call a couple days ago and I ended up not getting into the room. I was like, is there any way that you could help me, you know, get into the invited call next week or anything at all that you can do? And she was like, yeah, let me see what I can do. Ended up getting me into the room for the invited's and, um, I ended up making it, it was like, I forget how many times I went in, but I ended up making it to the finals in, in like February of 2020, I want to say. Yeah, it was like February of 2020 was the final callback. Um, and then maybe like two, three weeks later, the world imploded and um, I didn't hear anything. So 
it was like this weird, like I felt, and I, and after I left the audition, I remember being like, I feel like I booked this. Like I, I feel this in my soul. I feel like I booked it. And then obviously the world imploded and then I didn't hear anything. And apparently some, cause they were looking for the tour at that point too. Cause they were like planning to launch the tour. Um, so I think they were looking for like tour cast and then like Broadway replacements because people were like in the OG Broadway cast were like planning to leave like that summer of 2020. Um, and I remember hearing nothing. So, and I remember like some people had heard and I was like, well, maybe I didn't book it. I was like, I don't know. And so obviously pandemic happened, all this time passed. And then, um, this time last year, I got, um, I got contacted via my agents through them and they wanted to see me back in the room again. Cause they were looking for, I guess, you know, some people in the OG cast that didn't return post pandemics, they were looking for replacements. Um, so I ended up going back in. It was like this time last year, I remember it was around 4th of July. I re-auditioned. Um, I went in the room about five times, I want to say. So it was like an initial dance call and then I had to sing. And then the next callback was like another dance call. And then I had to like sing material and do sides. Then I think the next call was like a partnering call because there's a lot of partnering in the show, as you know. And then I think the following one was like a, I think I did like a workshop session with like, uh, it was like with Justin who um, does the music and I did some side work as well. And then I presented the songs that I had to prepare and the sides to like the whole team as like my final, final callback. And then maybe like a week or two later, I got the call from my agents that I booked it. And that was like a year ago, almost. I think it was like the end of July of last year. Yeah. And then it was like 10 days. And then I like started, it was like so quick. The whole thing. Well, congrats to you. That's amazing. I think I'm most impressed by the very beginning stages. And I hope everyone listening will take inspiration from that where like, you go to the workshop, you get to meet Mia, things go well. You show up to the audition, you're non-union, you don't get seen, you need to figure out a way. But some people at that point would just be like, eh, I feel sorry for myself, this sucks, and that's it. But you you wiggled your way in. Again, I was, being, I was joking uh, in the intro about the whole everything happens on Instagram, but hey, I guess it does. You reached out to Mia and, and made it happen and you were brave enough to, to, you know, put out the ask. Some people are petrified to have whatever people say no, or people, you know, have certain judgments about that, but you put yourself out there. And if you didn't, you might not be where you're at right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's so crazy. And I, and I feel like I remember I was like debating on doing it. I was like, do I reach out? Do I not? I was like, this is so not like me. I'm not one to like, you know, do that kind of stuff. And in my heart of hearts, I was like, no, I know that I'm perfect for this. And I was like, also, what's the worst that she could say? Like I tried, but it didn't happen or no, like, it's just, what's the worst that's going to happen? She says no. So yeah. I was like, you know what, like, just go for it. And I think anyone listening should definitely, if they are ever on the fine teetering line of like, do I reach out to this person? Do I not to try to advance my career and advance what I want in this life and my reach my dreams and goals? Like I would say, do it. 
absolutely do it. hundred percent do it. It's absolutely terrifying to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, obviously. But I mean, in this situation, it was so worth it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, what's your favorite song or montage to dance to in the show? Roxanne, hands down. Okay. Um, I love that whole partnering dance break. I love the costumes and the lighting and just the drama of it all. Um, that's definitely my favorite part to dance. Got and it. to sing too. I mean, also like when Aaron was still here, just like listening to Aaron Tveit sing that so perfectly every single night. It was just such a treat. <laughs> He's insane. Uh, you were saying before we hit record that you recently did your 100th show. Yeah. Yes, I did. I did. How, how many tracks do you cover in the show? I cover six. So, um, I, I have only done five. I know all six. I should hopefully be debuting my final one in the near future. Um, but yeah, I cover six tracks. And uh, it's it's a beast. It's definitely a beast of a show because we are not the six different tracks are not all similar. And the thing that I do love about swinging the show is that because all the tracks are so different, each of them have like individual featured moments that are really fun to learn and get the opportunity to perform on stage. So I do enjoy that aspect of it for sure. Nice. Okay, off the stage. What does Kara do? What's Kara into off of Broadway, off of performing? She what? She goes, she takes walks at Central Park. She, <laughs> she has a dog. What, what What does she do? Oh my God. I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question because I feel like <laughs> my life outside of Broadway is, uh, as you know, it's uh, pretty non-existent sometimes. You uh. know, have one day off a week is you know, it's hard to find the balance, obviously. Yeah. Um, and especially being a swing, we're like constantly in rehearsals during the day. I'm like shocked. I had a moment today to do this interview with you. Yeah, talk, <laughs> uh, talk us through that. I think that some people out there listening just think once the show starts, you're just doing the show. Oh no, never. Um, especially for the swings, we have rehearsal, um, at least once a week, uh, we actually have a, a put in rehearsal tomorrow, which is essentially when we get new members in the company, they have to do a, a put in with like all tech elements and their costumes and whatnot, a full company on stage, music, all the nine yards uh, for them to be able to do the show. So in these put in rehearsals, we're essentially doing the show. Um, we're, all the, you know, all the company members are not in full hair, makeup, costume, everything, but like we are mic'd and we do have to sing and like, you know, hit our marks and we're, we're doing the show essentially. Um, but in a rehearsal setup, uh, so that, you know, it takes a lot, but the swings have rehearsal at least once a week and the understudies and the covers, um, and the alternates, uh, so we're not just showing up every night and doing the show. There is work that is being done during the day, um, on top of, you know, the crazy schedule that we have. So the work doesn't end. It, it never ends for yeah. sure. Okay. Well, 
we have to go back to the original question though, yes. is what, what, what do you do besides the work? And if you don't do anything, then we need to like use this podcast episode as like a, a life coaching uh, session here. An intervention. Oh my yeah. God. I know. I know. Um, you know, outside of this, I, I like to try to just find the balance of life and uh, I'm very into fitness. I love to take orange theory. I love to do Pilates. Um, I love to take dance class um, when I have the energy and the time for it, uh, uh-huh. which has not been recently lately. Um, I'm such a beach girl right now. I've been trying to escape and go to the beach on most of my days off. Yeah. Um, which one do you go to? I Because I'm from Jersey and my parents are still in Jersey, I usually will go um, – I'll go down there and go to like Seabright or like Asbury Park. I don't know if you've ever heard of – any of those. Yeah, but. Asbury. I've been to Asbury two or three times. No way. Yeah. I yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love it there. And like, I'll also go to Point Pleasant too. Those are like the three that I go to. But sometimes I go to the beach here. I'll try to go to like the Rockaways or Coney if I have the energy. Um, Got it. But yeah, I, I prefer the Jersey beaches over the New York beaches. But maybe that's just because that's what I grew up. You know? Yeah, and your family probably prefers it that way as well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and I like to try to – what else do I like to do? I mean, I try to see friends um, in my free time, you know, go out to dinner, go to happy hours. I love to shop. Oh, I am – All right, here we go. Shopping, okay. I am co- – online, online shopper or in-person shopper? Both. Like, oh, okay, okay. Every, every two-show day that, like, I'm not on stage, I – nine times out of 10, I'm either online shopping or like I go shopping at Hudson Yards on my break. Hudson Yards. All right. Well, <laughs> your uh, last pur- purchase, what was your last purchase? What was my last purchase? Or your last favorite purchase? My last favorite purchase was a pair of hot pink Jessica Simpson heels that I just got. Jessica for- Simpson though. Okay. Okay. And her shoe brand is so good. Let's I- go. They're so cute. Um, I bought a pair of heels for a wedding that I'm going to in a couple weeks. So yeah, that was my last favorite purchase. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, when everyone sees the pictures on the gram, we'll know where you got those shoes from, Jessica Simpson. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Oh my god. All right. Uh, last, like getting to know you question. You're on an island. You can only have one meal served to you for the rest of your time on the island. What one meal will it be? Oh, that is a really tough question because I'm such a foodie and I love all food. Oh, my God. All right. So there's another thing that you do outside of your show. You probably like to go to other restaurants and explore like the city with food and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm such a foodie. I love going out to eat. Um, all right. One meal. That's it. You got one, one meal. meal. And you have to answer in 10 seconds or you'll starve the rest of the time on the island. One meal. One meal. I'm going to say sushi. Okay. What kind? Yeah. What what uh what's your role of choice? My three go-to are usually basic go-tos are usually shrimp tempura, <laughs> lacy tuna, and a salmon avocado. Those okay, are, okay. Those Fair. Are my, fair. Very, very sensible. Very sensible. Very sensible. Okay. But always hits, you know? <laughs> always hits. All right, everyone. There it is. Kara Menendez. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me, Joe. It's been so fun talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, everyone that's listening, we'll make sure to put in Kara's website, her Instagram handle, so you can check out all things Kara Menendez in the future. If you haven't seen Moulin Rouge, run to the theater. It's an amazing spectacle. The talent is insane. So, And there's a thousand songs for you to choose from. That was one thing with the show. I was like, there's a lot of songs. It's like, can we just can we sit into a song just for a little bit longer before we go to the next one? It's funny that you say that. You're not the first person who said that to me. Um, and I agree with that statement for sure. It kind of, in moments, it feels like they were just like, how many songs can we take and just throw them in to this whole production that it does feel like that a little bit i i understand right right all right we'll we'll save it for another episode maybe when you're not in the show anymore i don't want to get you in trouble so we'll no. we'll end it there <laughs> all right everyone thanks for listening i'm joe roscoe founder of bill for the stage check us out bill for the actors are athletes train like one later Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.